The Lord be with you. Sometimes we're so eager to put on a show of our love that we fail to show love in the most basic way by actually listening to what someone wants. Let me explain what I mean by that. So, uh, several years back, I got in my mind to propose to a certain young woman. And I wanted to make it a special event, a surprise, this sort of thing. And so, uh, I reached out to her friends. And I said, will you help me figure out her ring size? That way she won't get on to me, you know, that I'm planning this. And so they, one of them threw a jewelry weekend where they tried on all sorts of different jewelry. And, oh, wow, that ring, you like that one? It fits your finger. How nice. We'll just set that one aside. And, and then I found out the ring size, right? And I, I took that ring size and I went to a jeweler and I said, I want a, a ring that's just a custom ring that really encapsulates who we are. And so I had the jeweler make a ring out of gold, um, but it was formed entirely out of letters. And the letters spelled once upon a time. Now, obviously, there's a certain fairy tale theme with this, yes, but it, it was a reference to the fact that we were both storytellers. I obviously write, I tell stories in my sermons, but she, she was a playwright. And in fact, she had just finished writing a new play and staging it, and on the weekend in which that play premiered, there was a big party, and in that party, of course, all the cast and crew was there, but so were all her friends, and I gathered them around in that party, and I said, I want to flip the script. This woman has written all these words and made all these other people read them. Well, I have written a script that we should make her read. And so she and I together read a script that I had written. It was a fairy tale of sorts in which I was an evil narrator, I controlled the world and all the people in it through my narration, but then she came into the world, and using her own storytelling prowess, she liberated the characters of the world to tell their own stories, and in the process turned my heart to good. And at the end of this fairy tale, I got down on one knee, and I presented this ring that said, once upon a time, and I said, will you help me write the story of our lives together? Will you marry me? Now, if you know me, you know that that is not the story of how I proposed to my wife, Annalisa. <laughs> so if you know me, you know this story is not going to end well. <laughs> but if you don't know me, say this is your first time here at the church, you've never met me before, you might think, wow, what a sweet story, that's so romantic, what a great guy. And that's how it is with our story of Mary and Martha in our gospel today. You see, for those of us who've heard the story before, who knows how it ends, we might say to ourselves, ah, yes, Mary invites Jesus into her home, and then her sister is there, and, and her sister sits at Jesus' feet and listens, but Mary is distracted by her many tasks. And we've heard this story before, and we say, ah, yes, Mary has done the bad thing, or no, Martha has done the bad thing, Mary has done the good thing. It's not going to end well for Martha. But if we don't know this story, if we hadn't heard it before, we wouldn't assume that. Because you see, Martha is doing exactly what she is supposed to be doing. We heard our first reading today from Genesis 18, the story of how God in the form of three persons passes by Abraham and Abraham welcomes God into his tent. Abraham says, why don't you come in? I'll give you a little water so you can wash. 
You can take a rest under the trees, and then let me bring you a little bit of bread, and then you can be on your way. But by a little bit of bread, what Abraham does is he goes to his wife Sarah, and he says, bake three cakes from scratch. And then he goes to his servant, he says, take the fatted calf, slaughter it, cook it up, and serve as steaks. And then he himself prepares curds and milk, and he serves this giant banquet of food, and then he stands beside God and listens. That's a lot of work, yeah? That are many, those are many tasks with which Abraham is occupied, and they are presented as good tasks. Abraham is presented as a model of hospitality. Explicitly, Abraham is being compared in Genesis 18 to Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. Whereas Abraham offers perfect hospitality to God, Sodom and Gomorrah offer terrible hospitality to God, and God burns down the whole city. In the book of Job, when Job is trying to figure out why in the world his life is so terrible, and people are like, well, you must have done something wrong to tick off God, Job says one of the defenses he gives is that a stranger has never slept outside his gates, for he has always welcomed in the travelers. Hospitality is one of the foremost virtues of the ancient world, and there are explicit hospitality codes laid out in the Eastern Mediterranean. uh, For the Greeks of this time period, just a little bit to the west, it's very explicit that if a stranger comes to your door, you are expected, upon divine punishment, to welcome them in, to give them water to wash, food to eat, wine to drink, and only after they have eaten, drunken, and washed, only then are you allowed to even ask their name. That's how important hospitality was in the ancient world. When Martha is busy with her many tasks, She is doing for Jesus what Abraham did for God. She just doesn't have a wife and a servant like Abraham did. Unless we think that she's busy with frivolous things, the word uh, that's translated as tasks, in Greek, it's diakonia. Diakonia, from which we get the word deacon. It literally means ministry. Martha is doing many ministries for Jesus when she welcomes him into her home. Literally, she is doing for Jesus what she thinks she is supposed to do, what she has been raised her whole life as a woman to believe that she is supposed to do when an important man comes to her house. And the same was true for me in my proposal. I had gone on lots of dates with women, and many of them included romantic comedies. And every single one of those romantic comedies ends with a scene in which the leading man bursts in and makes a big, dramatic, public declaration of love, and all the ladies swoon, and it's happily ever after. And I assumed, well, if this is what all the movies say, it must be this is what every woman wants. And, and if I'm going to impress this young woman and have her want to marry me, well, then this is what I am supposed to do. But when I got down on one knee and I pulled out that ring and I asked her to marry me, this woman's eyes, they got all wide, and she kind of stopped for a moment, and then she attempted to run out of the room. But her friends who were in on this, they didn't want her to leave. They thought this was a super exciting thing, so they blocked the door. She literally ran into her friends, bounced off of them, and fell down. On the floor, she looked up at me and said, uh, 
uh, okay. And at the time, I thought, well, it's just because I surprised her. She wasn't expecting it. She was not expecting it. A few months earlier, I had thought I heard her say, hey, I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea of us getting married. It turns out what she had actually said is, I'm finally comfortable with the idea of marriage as a concept. <laughs> but I was so busy trying to put on a performance for her that I failed to actually listen to her. I was so busy trying to put on a show of my love that I failed to show love in the most basic way, which is to actually find out what the person wants. And because of that, I have come to realize that the performance I put on for that proposal, it was neither for that woman or about that woman. It was for me. It was about me. It was about showing the world what a great guy I was. And the same thing is what's happening with Martha in our gospel. To say, Martha is doing exactly what she thinks she is supposed to do. She is living out that hospitality code. She is doing what she has been raised as a woman to do. But she is putting on a show for Jesus. And in putting on that show, she is failing to show the most basic act of love, which is to actually listen to what he wants. And when her performance is underappreciated, Martha gets resentful. She gets resentful and she goes to Jesus and she says, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. But Mary has been helping Jesus. She's been sitting at his feet and listening to him. And at the most basic level, listening to someone is the most important way that we can help them. But it goes deeper than that. Because that phrase, sitting at Jesus' feet, it could be just a literal like she sat down at his feet, but the phrase has historical meaning. When Paul in Acts wants to describe his religious education, he says that he sat at the feet of a famous rabbi. Because sitting at the feet of a rabbi is the phrase that's used to describe undergoing religious education. It's the training that someone would do to become a religious leader themselves. Earlier in the book of Luke, we hear about Jesus casting a demon named Legion out of a man. And when that man is clothed and in his right mind, he sits at the feet of Jesus. The man asks to become a disciple of Jesus to follow wherever Jesus goes. And we know from Luke chapter 8 that there are women who follow Jesus, who walk around all of uh, Israel with him in his ministry. They study with him, and it says they support him. We assume that Mary lives in this house with Martha, but if you actually look at the text, it says Martha welcomed Jesus, her, Jesus into her home, not Mary and Martha. It may well be that Mary is one of those women following Jesus around in his ministry, studying from him, learning what it means to be a disciple, and then supporting him, not in the ways that they were raised as little girls to support rabbis, but in the way that Jesus has asked them to support him. Last week, we heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
This week, we hear the story of Mary and Martha, and it's no coincidence that these two stories come exactly back-to-back in the Bible. Because you can make a parody of both of them and say, ah, the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's about how we should act and do things for others. And the story of Mary and Martha is about how we should slow down and listen. But they're both about the same thing. Both the parable of the Good Samaritan and the story of Mary and Martha are about how in order to act with love, we must first listen with love so that we know how to care and love the person who is next to us. This is the reason we do every act of ministry. That hospitality code that was so ingrained in the ancient Mediterranean, part of it was to say, right, there aren't hotels. Villages are days apart from each other. Certainly, the traveler needs to know when they come to someone's house, there is safety for them. But it's not just for the traveler, those hospitality codes. It's also for the host. Because after the guest has received all this wonderful hospitality, the guest is expected to speak. You see, they don't have Twitter back then. They don't have newspapers. They don't have the internet. The only way for news to travel at all is for a traveler to take the news. Hospitality for the guest was ensuring their life, but hospitality for the host was ensuring they knew what was happening in the world, that they received news Good news. When Abraham welcomes God, Abraham is busy doing many things to make God comfortable, but then Abraham listens and God shares news, good news, that his wife Sarah, despite being 90 years old, is going to get pregnant and have Abraham's son. This is why We welcome God into our life that we might hear that good news. And here's the thing. Had I, instead of spending all my energy putting on a performance, put that energy into listening, I might have heard the news that I needed to hear, which is that this woman didn't want to marry me. And I might have heard that news before our wedding instead of a year after in marriage counseling. (laughs) To say that is the blessing that comes from listening to people, right? But the good news is that Jesus shows up in our life even when we fail to listen. Jesus shows up in our life even when we fail to put on a show, when we fail to show that basic decency of asking what it is that Jesus wants. Jesus still shows up. God showed up to Abraham and would have showed up to Abraham whether or not Abraham put on that fancy dinner. Abraham might not have gotten to hear the good news that his wife was going to get pregnant soon, but it still would have happened because that is God's plan and God's going to do it with or without us. For Mary and Martha, Jesus shows up in Martha's home. And Jesus would have shown up in Martha's home whether or not she had spent all her time preparing dinner and decorating the house. Jesus would have showed up anyway. And had Martha actually spent that time listening to Jesus, she might have heard Jesus say, hey, your brother Lazarus, he's going to get sick and he's going to die. Don't worry, I'll raise him from the dead. She might have heard Jesus say, you know, I also am going to die. Don't worry, 
I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, Jesus did these things anyway, even though Martha didn't listen to him. But had she listened, she might have had those words of hope to hold on to and spared herself all that grief. Had I listened, I could have spared myself a lot of grief. But Jesus showed up in my life anyway. Jesus showed up by giving me the grace to admit when we had made a mistake and end that marriage that I pressured this woman into. And Jesus showed up in my life in the form of Annalisa, my wife and my daughter that we have together. And to say when nearly a decade later, I knew that I wanted to marry Annalisa, you better believe I put a lot more time into listening, (laughs) listening to make sure she really did want to marry me. And she did make it abundantly and explicitly clear that if I ever got around to asking her, she would say yes. And so I said, okay, how should I do this? And I I discovered she was not a big fan of big public declarations of love. My apologies for the sermon. (laughs) But she was a big fan of her family. And there was this very expensive seafood restaurant she really wanted to go to. And so what I did is first, I went to her parents, Steve and Lynn, who are with us today, hello, and I asked for their blessing, because I knew that would matter to her. And then I, I took her to this seafood restaurant, and it was just the two of us overlooking the ocean uh, as the sun set, uh, just the two of us, and then a, a waiter who I had tipped to uh, hold a camera so that the family could get a video of the whole thing. And there I got down on one knee and I I told her all the reasons that she was amazing and I was grateful for her and I asked her to marry me. And then I listened and with no pressure, no outside people pushing her to say anything, she actually said yes. I got to hear the voice that I needed to hear in that moment. And the next day was both one of the best days of my life and one of the worst days of my life. It was one of the best days of my life because for the first time, I was engaged to a woman who actually wanted to marry me. It was one of the worst days of my life because that fancy seafood restaurant gave me diarrhea. (laughs) Which is to say, listening deeply to God and listening deeply to the people that we love won't solve all the problems in our life but it will lead us to what matters most. There are so many things that we can do with the time that we have. There are so many things that we can do in the relationships we have with our family, with our friends, with our loved ones. There are so many things that we can do as a church, so many ministries that we can take on, but Jesus says there is only need for one thing, and that is to listen to listen to the voice of God, to listen to the voice of Jesus that speaks to us in the scriptures, that speaks to us in silent prayer beneath the stars, that speaks to us through the mouth of the people that we love. May everything that we do, both as individuals and as a congregation, be to create the space so that we may listen to the voice of God and heed its call to follow it to the fullness of love and life, which will never be taken away. Amen.